Welcome to the Dirty Politics Podcast. With me tonight is Simon Lusk, and we're going to discuss the news that Simon Bridges has revealed that National is thinking of building a new support party. Simon, what do you reckon about this? Well, it'll be bloody hard. I mean, everyone knows that National will need to do it, but they don't have a great track record of building new parties, and um, the experience at the Auckland local body election shows that they're bloody useless, so it's not going to be easy. That's the thing, especially in Auckland, where the party hierarchy decided to ignore established tickets and try and create this new one, and then had Michelle Bogue go and hand-pick a candidate to stand and it was just an abysmal failure, and I can't see them improving on their track record of starting new parties or tickets, even at the national level, especially with the people that are involved. And we're looking at some of those people being involved in the Northcote by-election campaign now. So I agree with you. I think that unless they think this through really carefully, that they're doomed in trying to set up a political party. Well, I think that the real problem for Auckland Future is that they didn't actually get any decent professionals involved who have a track record of running strategy and winning. And, you know, they they should have probably imported skills from overseas if they didn't want to work with any of the locals. It was of no surprise that the only two candidates from the centre-right that won were Daniel Newman, who was an incredibly good campaigner, and Greg Sayers, who was also an exceptionally good campaigner. And we both know Greg well, and we both know Daniel. And, you know, those guys didn't have Auckland Future getting in their way, and they managed to win. Well, the other thing with Auckland Future is it was essentially a National Party-run campaign where they had some key people like Stephen Joyce, like Peter Goodfellow, and of course Joe DeJoux running the campaigns. And their track record's not exactly spectacular. They might be good at a national election campaign where they've got the thick end of $2 million to spend, but it was shown to be decidedly lacking in Auckland with that mayoral campaign. Our good mate Aaron Batnaga is always criticising National for running party vote campaigns and not understanding marginal electorate campaigns. And, you know, Aaron really dislikes the use of human hoardings instead of turning out voters and identifying voters. I think that Aaron is absolutely right. National take the easy option of waving signs because they don't have to think too hard about it. And I think they're doing a good job because John Key and Stephen Joyce managed to win a series of elections. It doesn't win marginal seats. Well, I beg his belief that waving signs actually converts people to vote for you. And it's a little bit like running a social media campaign on Twitter. No one's ever been convinced to change their vote because of a few characters in a tweet. And this just seems to be the once over lightly approach that National takes to anything. Yeah, it's the easy option. You can get away with being lazy. But if we look at why the new parties that since MMP started that have succeeded and failed, the ones that have succeeded have started with an existing MP, Jim Anderton, Winston Peters. There's hasn't really been new parties created without having a sitting MP, and and that includes the Maori Party with Tariana Turia. Well, also Peter Dunn and a few others left to create United, which went through several different iterations before ultimately collapsing in on itself. But you're right, the only parties that have succeeded have been started with an existing MP or people who are, who were ex-MPs that created a bit of a profile, like ACT, for example. But again, they've waned over time. Yeah, but they had that kind of person around. And if National serious, they're going to have to find some people from within the National Caucus to withdraw from National and run a new party. And that's not an easy thing to get people to do.
Well, there's a lot of talk, and it's not very well-informed talk, and obviously they haven't spoken to Judith Collins about it, but there's a lot of talk and rumours about her going and establishing some new party and coming to accommodation. Well, I have spoken to Judith Collins, and she just laughs at that suggestion and says it's not her idea, and why would she? She's stuck by national through thick and thin, and she's actually true blue national. Why, why would she go and run that risk of starting a new party? It just seems to be a convenient way of trying to talk her out of continuing on as an MP, is what I can see from the outside, because I might be a little bit biased there because Judith is a friend, but the reality is, is the people who are putting that up as an idea and whispering it in the ears of the media have got their own vested interests. Yeah, and I think Judith probably could take a new party into Parliament, but she'd be sacrificing a chance at a senior portfolio. So they'd have to persuade Judith that it was in her best interests and that she should run in her own electorate without a national candidate opposing her. And that is something that may happen, but I just don't see it being likely, especially when you talk to Judith and ask her and she laughs. Yeah, I asked her categorically. I said, what's the story with this, Judith? She says, I don't believe everything you hear, Cam. We've got no intention of doing that at all, ever. Yeah, but at the same time, it does require a sitting MP. And if you look at the potential parties that are floating around at the moment, the first one comes up periodically as a blue-green party around Nick Smith and you know, we all admire Nick for holding Nelson and he probably could hold it in a new party and he'd get to go away and do whatever he wants if he wasn't a national. But once again, Nick is a national guy through and through. It's somewhat difficult to imagine that Nick wants to leave and start his own party. He could be encouraged to do that, though, because all of his mates have now left. He's the last one left of the Brat Pack. But there could be an accommodation there. I've spoken to Nick a few times and he seems to have genuine caring about the environment and things like that. He's probably got a bit of an unfortunate approach to speaking with people not dissimilar to Paul Goldsmith. But I think that a blue-greens would work, but I think it would need to be more than just Nick. And if they were considering that, then I could nominate a few people that are so wet that they would fit perfectly into that. And I'm thinking the likes of Nikki Kay or even New Zealand's favourite grandmother on the North Shore. Yeah, and arguably the puddle that surrounded Amy Adams, all of them would fit into a blue-green party. They all care about bloody stuff like climate change and hippie bullshit. and um, Gay electric cars and things like that. Yeah, and you know, they're not into free markets and letting people get on with what they want to do and making decisions for themselves. They're much more interventionist. At the same time, I just don't know that any of them really going to be that willing to go. I mean, it would make sense to put New Zealand's favourite grandmother in that party because she's got a safe seat and I don't think Labour would be able to take it off her if she was running for the Blue-Greens instead of the Blues. And there's a whole bunch of oldies too that reminisce about her gardening show on Radio Live, you know. And Old Maggie, she's got our interests at heart. They'd be out there voting for a proper Green Party. It could possibly split off a lot of the women in the leafy suburbs that are voting Green while their husbands are voting National because they always say, oh, but I'm thinking of the future. And they don't realise that the Green Party is actually a bunch of hardcore socialists and their Green credentials are rather light. So a true Green Party or a blue-green party, which sounds a bit disgusting in terms of the colorization, but something along those lines might actually work. Whether they can get 5% is you know, marginal, but again, if they get a nice, safe, uncontested seat, then that might work. 
Well, they might get two. You know, it'd be uh, Nelson and North Shore. They National could easily trade them away to have a, a coalition partner. And I think well, National that, in Auckland Central, there's a whole bunch of Liberal elite snobs in there that would vote for a blue-green party. Yeah, they probably would, and they'd probably keep voting for Nikki Kay because they're not really national. I mean, they don't believe in free markets and driving cars and doing things that sensible people do. They bloody want everyone else to use public transport. Mm. Now, Simon Bridges mentioned in his little chit-chat on Red Radio the other day that he was looking at a revitalisation or a rebuilding of the Conservative Party now that dopey old Colin Craig's disappeared from the scene. What do you think about that? Well, I think that's just nuts. I mean, the people that are involved in the Conservative Party, the good ones left when Colin got caught out and the brand is so badly damaged, there's no point in trying to revive that. You'd be far better off building up a new party with a new name. And this term is actually the ideal time to do it because things like euthanasia, abortion and marijuana legalisation are going to come up this term and there'll be some very, very socially conservative people in National that will oppose all of those things. And they're out of step with the rest of New Zealand, but they do represent a constituency of people that believe the same stuff that they do. And so I think it's a really sensible proposition to look at a Christian party that isn't full of kitty fiddlers or annoying people like Colin Craig. And you may be able to peel off some of the socially conservative Christian MPs who are well backed and they're you know they're competent people. We may not agree with them being socially liberal, but you know they they represent a considerable number of people in the community. And you know guys like Chris Pink, Simon O'Connor, and Simeon Brown would easily fit in there if National was willing to give them their seats and not compete in them. Well, I remember when the Christian Coalition was formed, I'm pretty sure that Dad had a pretty key role in getting them all together. The only problem was is they were led by and had a number of complete nutters in the senior roles. So ultimately it was doomed. Of course, Graham Capel went on to end up being convicted of sex offences. And there seems to be a problem with the Christian parties, not just in New Zealand, but around the world, where they get caught out with their own sanctimony and hypocrisy. Yeah, and you'd think that Simon O'Connor, Chris Pink and Simeon Brown have managed to survive politics so far without getting caught out. So they, they may actually live the values that they say that they believe in. Not only that, those guys are earnest, thoughtful individuals. I mean, Chris Pink writes some really, really good stuff on constitutional matters. And, you know, we all know that Simeon is a good mate of Daniel Newman's, which means he works bloody hard and he's a diligent MP. Well, he's got an actual core belief structure, which I think is always important in politicians. And he has the courage of his convictions as well. We might not all agree about his anti-abortion protesting, but you've got to admire someone who does actually have the courage of their convictions to stand up for what they believe in. Yeah, and those guys, they're backed by the Maxim Institute. And Greg Fleming, who now isn't running the Maxim Institute, is a bloody good operator. And your uncle contributed a lot to Maxim, and they've got some good people around them, and they're a good organisation. I think that a party that has Maxim support would do very, very well. Well, they shouldn't have any problem with fundraising because there's any number of conservative Christian businessmen out there that are multi-millionaires. Of course, there's the exclusive brethren as well, which I'm sure would be happy to fund some sort of organisation like that, although the media would have kittens over that because apparently the media doesn't believe that Christian voices deserve um, a democratic say. But I would think that they would have no issues with the money that's required Which then leads me to ask you, Simon, as a professional campaigner, if someone came to you and said, 
I want to start a new party. How much money do I need to do this? What would they be looking at? Well, if they don't have any MPs, the budgets that I've put together periodically for when people have paid me to answer that question is about $5 million across the cycle. If you've got MPs, that's a bit less because you're able to leverage off the parliamentary budget and the profile that they have already. I don't know that a Christian party that is based around existing MPs would need that much money, but I think they could get it quite easily. And I think they probably spend it quite wisely targeting the right people rather than trying to target the whole of New Zealand because there's a group of committed Christians in New Zealand that aren't really represented in Parliament. That's a key though, isn't it? You've got to have a niche out- outlook rather than looking at a global or national level campaign, have five key policies that and stick to your knitting on that and then come to an accommodation with a party that can get you into government. Yeah, and you know, I think that's what Simon Bridges is talking about and good on him for doing it because you know, if he doesn't, he's probably going to be doomed to being in opposition and he probably only gets one election, one shot at it, and he'll be replaced if he doesn't get into government. So I think he's making the right kind of decisions. Whether he can persuade people that they would be better off outside national, I'm not sure. I suppose they've got to keep their options open because especially with this law and order debate with three strikes at the moment, there's a real risk here that if New Zealand First backs that, those changes of Andrew Littles, that they could lose a fair chunk of their provincial vote that they've got, which I guess you could call them the Trump conservative types, you know, angry provincials who who don't like the direction New Zealand's going. They're not happy with a whole bunch of bad wogs coming into the country. They don't like their country lifestyle being affected by, you know, these green types who want to see half the... um, the cow population of New Zealand slaughtered to save rivers and stuff like that. And they're not really too happy about that. I'm not sure, though, you've probably got a better handle of that living in the provinces yourself. I'm not sure how big that vote is or if it's enough to make a difference. Look, I certainly suspect that it isn't. I don't know that it was enough. I think New Zealand First probably monopolises that vote. And I don't know that New Zealand First will have done so much that they create a niche for another party in this sort of Trump conservative space. So in your view, the best bet is a, some sort of Christian conservative type party? I think that's the one with the natural constituency, with the funds, the the people and you know I think that really is important Maxim has done a really good job of training a very large number of people to understand politics I don't know whether they necessarily understand campaigning but the Maxim people that I've worked with has been absolute privilege to work with them they're very diligent they're painfully naive and you want to tease them all the time because they don't seem to know which way's up but they're very very good at getting stuff done. It'd be almost fun to get involved with them just to corrupt them a little bit. Yeah, yeah. You, you sort of want to hand them a hip flask and a packet of condoms and tell them to get on with it. But <laughs> yeah, they probably wouldn't know how to use them. So anyway, I think that that's the best option. Simon Bridges probably needs to seek a bit of advice from this and someone outside of caucus. In fact, probably someone who's not too close to the party. Because once the party starts thinking about this, then all sorts of vested interests jump in. And I can well remember back in 96, or in the lead up to 96 election, the first MMP election, there was a considerable thought put into splitting the National Party into an urban and a rural party. And once the hierarchy got involved in this and the caucus got involved in this, that just spiked everything. And, you know, Nationals now reaping what they sowed back then in, in the early 90s where they have no natural coalition partners. They've run campaigns against Winston. 
to Nobilum, which was ultimately a failure. They're continuing to run those campaigns, though, whilst they're in opposition in an attempt to drive a wedge. And I don't think anybody sat down and bothered to actually have a scotch with Winston and a couple of cigarettes late at night to actually understand what it is going to take for them to actually reach across that divide. Because that's the other option, isn't it? Instead of creating a new party and all of the risks and the expenditure that goes with that, isn't it a better option to actually improve your relationships with New Zealand First? Oh, absolutely. And it's much easier to just go and have a few whiskies with Winston and try and pair off a few um, existing MPs and get them to go and start a new party. And, and the other thing is, is that we don't know whether the voters will think that's just incredibly cynical and not support it. That's something that has to be considered to separate out some people and then actually lose votes because you don't get the benefit of the new party because the voters think, well, that's just a nasty, cynical move. We're going to vote against you. Which then raises the question, is it a possibility, perhaps, that Simon Bridges is thinking of a resurrection of the Maori Party, considering that National were closely aligned with the Maori Party, despite the clamouring of National's own membership that they needed to stop pandering to Maori? I wouldn't put it past Simon Bridges, who is a bit of a wet, to consider that as an option. What do you think about that? Well, I certainly know that there's some well-educated, wealthy Maori who are considering revival of the Maori Party. From a potential of winning an electorate, the Maori seats are pretty easy to win if you run a decent campaign, and that's the criticism of the Maori Party at the last election, is they really didn't run a good campaign, and they should have thrown all their resources behind Flavel and made sure they won that, and instead they sort of had a campaign right across the country. Um, They probably should have backed Howie Tamati and told all the rest of them that they had to be campaigning in those two seats and not worry about their own seat because they're going to lose. But I don't know whether they'll be able to revive it and whether they'll get the people of the high enough quality to be able to revive it, but it's certainly uh, an option, and Simon Bridges would be foolish not to at least explore that option. Well, I actually think National is foolish to do anything with Maori because they don't vote for National. Um, they they don't support anything National's done for them. National over the years has provided billions and billions of dollars in treaty settlements and supporting Whanau Ora and bending over backwards. And the thanks they got for that was the rinsing of their support partner. And Morris Williamson, when he was in Parliament, he had a little spreadsheet that he could work out the amount of money National had to spend to get no more votes from Maori. It was that mathematical. You know, the more money that National threw at Maori, the less votes they got. So he worked out this mathematical calculation, which worked out how much they needed to invest to stop Maori voting National. Yeah, look, I think that that's right. But I think the other way of looking at it is, you know, you outsource the Maori vote to the Maori party. And if you're the ones that are fundraising and propping them up, they may do a deal with you. It's an option. And it's an option of winning votes from a section of the community that are never going to vote national. You'd have to say a, a Maori option would probably run a poor second or a distant third when you can look at a Christian Conservative Party as a preference, followed by a, an environmental party. Maori would come down the line on that behind those two, I would think. Yes, but I think they're probably still ahead of ACT, who unfortunately while we agree with most of their policies, just don't seem to be able to get their shit together. Who's this ACT Party you talk about? Yeah, yeah, I mean, God, it's just embarrassing. I mean, they had some fine thinkers, and Pinko's been uh, running a couple of posts from Roger Douglas in the last couple of days on the economy, which shows the thinking that's been lost in the ACT Party over the years as they slowly became a cult and then um, 
Well, a joke. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, guys like Steve Franks are bloody interesting to talk to. But, you know, he's at retirement age like all the rest of the act people. And I don't think he's coming back. Well, the thing with Stephen Franks, I think he was just too nice for politics. Oh, absolutely. Wonderful guy, but needs a bit more mongrel. Yeah, he didn't even come to knife fights with a spoon. Yeah, yeah. All right, so uh, your considered opinion, Simon, is uh, National should look at a Christian conservative followed by an environmental party as their best options. Yeah, and you've got to base it around existing MPs. I think you're wasting your time trying to construct anything without existing MPs. And if they don't believe that, look at history and then look at Vic Crone and what a disaster that was. Winning in Auckland should be easy for a centre-right candidate. And in fact, the council became even more left-wing with the Auckland future there. Well, I don't know, there could be silver lining in in that cloud and Vic Crone got a cushy job with Steve Joyce's corporate welfare crowd and Labour's talking about disbanding that so they won't need her as the chief executive anymore. Yeah, although you've got to wonder how Megan Woods will go and waste that money because, I I mean, she's a prodigiously talented waster of money. I think she'll make Steve and Joyce look positively frugal when it comes to corporate welfare. Well, that's another podcast really, isn't it? All right, Simon, thanks for that. And uh, I think we've pretty much covered the Nationals alternatives on what they can do or, or the options and what they could do to support a new party being established. Either way you look at it, at all of those options, it's hard. And I'm not sure National has the wherewithal, the brains to actually do it properly, which concerns me. Yeah, or the ruthlessness. I think that's the other thing. I just don't know that National's got a ruthless streak at the moment. No, we need a bit of bloodletting, I think. And uh, when there is some bloodletting, then I'm pretty sure we'll uh, we'll be donkey deep involved in it. Yeah, yeah, that'll be fun. All right, thanks, Simon. 